0: I'm Michelle Young. And I'm Sarah American, And I'm Sam Tracy. And thanks for tuning in to season four of This Week in Drugs, the leading podcast on all things drugs and drug policy, including news, science, health, and history. This show is an all-volunteer project produced by alumni of Students for Sensible Drug Policy, an international student-led organization working to end the war on drugs. Every week on This Week in Drugs, we hope to educate the public and decision makers about drugs in order to eliminate harmful misconceptions and improve public policy, and hopefully have some fun while we're at it. We envision a world in which our laws and attitudes surrounding drugs are grounded in science, compassion, health, and human rights. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this week's show. Hey everyone, apologies for the exceptionally late episode. As many of you probably know, the SSDP conference was this last weekend, and we keep on breaking our promise to ourselves here at the podcast not to try and put out an episode during conference weekends. Uh, Ultimately, we never quite make it. So this week, we've got one segment which is just sam doing the news from last week there's still some really good stuff in there so we figured we'd put it out we've got a short episode for you today enjoy the news by sam and we'll be back with our regularly scheduled programming this sunday Hello, everyone. And now it is time for our weekly news and forecast, which for this week, episode 89 is a short one because SSTP 2017 is this weekend. So I'm actually recording this by myself uh, on Thursday morning. I'm heading out to the airport in a few hours and Rochelle is also making her way out to Portland today. Uh, So if anything really big happened on Friday or Saturday, that's why we missed it. So We'll cover those stories in our normal format uh, again next week. Uh, So to kick things off, for our first story this week is that a new report called Race and Exonerations in the United States has found large racial disparities in wrongful convictions across the country. Published by a group called the National Registry of Exonerations, which is a project of both the University of California... University of Michigan, and Michigan State University, uh, which are different. Uh, The report looked at 1,900 exonerations of individuals, as well as 1,800 of what are called group exonerations. Uh, These stem from 15 large-scale police scandals, where it was discovered that law enforcement were framing large groups of innocent people, so they were cleared uh, altogether instead of uh, with their individual cases being overturned one by one. So this report focused in on three categories of crime, uh, which are murder, sexual assault, and drug violations. Uh, I really recommend reading the whole report or at least skimming it. It's 37 pages uh, because it is full of really great information and statistics. But of course, since this is This Week in Drugs, I'll just be focusing today on the data on drug crimes that they included. So first of all, I do also want to say that this is a really awesome project slash website. Um, It seems like something that the government should be doing itself. uh, But, you know, they probably don't want to be publicizing how often the government's imprisoning innocent people. Um, And quite honestly, this website is probably a lot better than what they could put together. So I'm really glad that there's a private organization doing this sort of thing. But getting over to some of the conclusions found in this report, uh, one of them is that African-Americans are about five times as likely to go to prison for drug possession as whites. So that's something that we've already known. We've talked a lot about uh, before on the show um, that even though uh, African-Americans and uh, European-Americans and uh, all of the different racial groups, use drugs, uh, including marijuana and other drugs, at roughly the same rates, uh, black people are much more likely to be targeted for enforcement of those drug offenses. And according to the study, judging from exonerations, innocent black people are about 12 times more likely to be convicted of drug crimes than innocent white people. So there is still a disparity in wrongful convictions but it's even bigger so 12 times instead of five times uh and and another thing here is that the study concludes why do police officers who conduct these outrageous programs of framing innocent drug defendants concentrate on african americans The, the simple answer because that's what they do in all aspects of drug law enforcement guilty or innocent they always focus disproportionately on african americans of the many costs that the war on drugs inflicts on the black community, the practice of deliberately charging innocent defendants with fabricated crimes may be the most shameful, end quote. Uh, I do definitely agree with the uh, the study authors there um, that obviously it is uh, pretty tragic that there is such a wide gap in enforcement of drug crimes, but uh, whether or not you think that uh, drugs should be a criminal issue, if, if, if you're listening to this show, you probably don't. Uh, but I think we can all agree that it's even worse when someone didn't, wasn't even in possession of drugs, wasn't even selling drugs, and was someone not at all even related to that, not taking that risk uh, and being targeted anyway. Um, and, and so if this is something that you're interested in, this uh, topic of, of innocent people being imprisoned, uh, you're listening to a podcast, so you probably like podcasts. And, and I'd really like to recommend uh, Wrongful Conviction, uh, which is a podcast hosted by Jason Flome. Uh, or Jason Flom, I should say, uh, who is connected to the Innocent Project, is one of the founding board members there, uh, which is another awesome nonprofit doing this sort of work. Uh, so th- they focus, also similar to this report, a lot of those cases are are murder and sexual assault and other uh, violent crimes. But there probably are going to be some some drug crimes talked about in there. I haven't caught all the episodes myself, uh, but if you want to see. How this process works for any crime, how the the police and prosecutors often work together either to kind of willfully ignore things that would exonerate someone or to deliberately misrepresent a case in order to get a conviction. I highly recommend listening to that that show again, Wrongful Conviction is the name. And so moving on into our next story, our next, our only other big story this week, since it's an abbreviated one, this is that a change in leadership in the Rhode Island State Senate has given a big boost to marijuana reform in the state and may help it become the first to pass a marijuana legalization bill through the legislature. So the current Senate president is Teresa Paiva Weed, uh, who is a Democrat and despite or, or possibly because of her last name is a major opponent of marijuana reform. So she announced on Wednesday that she's reportedly going to be stepping down to take a job at the Rhode Island Hospital Association, um, presumably uh, kind of lobbying for them using her political experience there. Uh, so set to take her place is the current majority leader, whose name is Dominic Ruggerio who also happens to be one of the lead sponsors on S-420, uh, which is their marijuana legalization bill. I think that was intentional, the number in there. Uh, So the legalization is, of course, popular in the state, and and though activists have been pushing for years, it's never gotten to the uh, final stage where it receives a a full vote. Uh, So with a reformer now in charge of the agenda, hopefully that'll, that'll soon be changing. So I I highlight this both because it is really important, but also just because I I think it's really important to see how laws are actually passed, Uh, because even if the votes are there, uh, which uh, both of the bill sponsors in the House and Senate say that if, if this was brought to a vote, they're confident that it would pass. Unfortunately, whether or not it's actually voted on is often or or pretty much always just up to the leadership in these uh, in the House and the Senate. And so it's really frustrating for for activists who are pushing popular reforms. But to mix metaphors, it's good to understand the inside baseball because that's what actually gets things across the finish line. Um, And and so, since the votes are here, hopefully, uh, him being able to bring this to the Senate floor, which I assume he'll be doing, uh, will will bring us very, very close to actually passing this. Um, I say very close just because, uh, personally, I don't know what the situation is in the House, uh, but if the Senate passes it, There will be a lot of pressure uh, to at least do a vote there. Um, And of course, there is also a lot of pressure coming from from other states with Massachusetts and Maine, uh, also other New England states having already passed legalization in 2016 uh, and Connecticut uh, and Vermont also uh, considering it. So. Hopefully, Rhode Island will be uh, the first state to uh, pass legalization through the legislature. I'd really like to give a shout out to Tom Angel, who is a fantastic marijuana reporter, uh, SSDP alum, who is from Rhode Island originally and was very active in their earlier drug policy reform campaigns and also uh, in his reporting now covers it a lot. I, I highly recommend checking out his story on Mass Roots which we have linked to in the show notes. Uh, another shout out goes out to Jared Moffitt, uh, another SSDP alum and Rhode Island political director for MPP. Uh, so kind of my counterpart uh, since I'm their Connecticut political director, uh, but he's been working on this for, uh, for quite a few years now. Um, and so I do really wish all of them the best of luck in, uh, in getting this over the finish line. And moving on down into our headlines, we've got two of them this week for a short show. Uh, The first is that in more New England marijuana news, also on Wednesday, uh, the Vermont House Judiciary Committee approved a bill to legalize the possession of up to an ounce of marijuana and the home cultivation of two mature marijuana plants and four immature plants, essentially creating a system like we currently have in Washington, D.C. This now goes on to the House. And in our second headline in even more New England marijuana news, and also on Wednesday, it was a really big day for marijuana in New England yesterday, uh, the president of the Massachusetts State Senate has said that they will not approve any further delays of the marijuana legalization law passed by voters in November. The current timeline has stores opening in July 2018. And now moving on into the weekly forecast, I do still have two of them just because I'm kind of in conference mode now, excited to be going out to SSDP 2017 later today. Uh, So the first is that Americans for Safe Access will be soon hosting their annual conference. Uh, It's called the Unity Conference, and it's going to be from April 7th to April 11th in Washington, D.C. Uh, Americans for Safe Access is an awesome organization pushing for medical marijuana specifically, and so if medical marijuana is something you're interested in, I, I really recommend uh, attending Unity Conference. And the second one is another awesome drug policy conference also happening in April. Uh, this one is for MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And they're hosting their big conference uh, from April 19th to 24th. Uh, that's the Psychedelic Science Conference. It's going to be in Oakland. And it actually only happens, I believe, once every two years. Uh, so this is even rarer and, and definitely recommend checking it out if psychedelics is something you're interested in. Uh, and among the many cool things happening there, a nonprofit called Drug Story, for which Rochelle and I are both board members. And we, we once had an episode when uh, with Michaela Helwick, uh, a, a few back, uh, talking about their... Uh, work setting things up and it's exciting that now things are really underway and the project will soon be ready for for users and so Michaela along with Lauren Padgett um, are going to be there uh, at the maps conference in order to debut uh, the new app so if you're there and want to learn more uh, track down Michaela and Lauren and I'm sure they would love to tell you about it Uh, so that's everything for our abbreviated news for episode 89 and uh, as always, uh, there's so much going on that we can't keep track of it all. And we really appreciate it when listeners uh, send us uh, stories that they're, they think are interesting, uh, especially when you send us events that you're hosting uh, that you'd like us to talk about on the show. I mean, we'd love to send shout outs to, to things that our listeners are, are doing out there in the world. And so let us know if there's anything interesting you want us to highlight. You can uh, reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can just email us at thisweekendrugs@gmail.com at gmail.com. So, if the police interrogate or arrest you, asking for a lawyer is a good way to assert your right to remain silent. Lawyer up. That's right. My